0: Your Bibles are open. We are back in the book of 1 Corinthians today, chapter 12, and uh, this is a series that we've made our way through, well, I think since about February, and uh, we've been just going section by section, chapter by chapter through this book. I've called it Untangled because, again, Paul is addressing tangles that the Corinthian church has, and he's unpacking those. This is the fourth major movement, the fourth big topic that Paul has addressed with them and we're in the section right now that deals with Christian worship uh, What are the practices that we have? What are some things that have gone wrong with Corinth and how he's correcting those one of the things that he started off with was uh, In this whole section this fourth section was the differences between men and women in worship and although uh, We're same in many ways. There are some differences that we have and we are meant to be compliments one to another and so again, the way that we practice worship, and specifically the way that we practice uh, our, our sex, our gender, matters to God. And that was uh, the very first week in this section, this fourth section. We dealt last week with communion. And remember, there were some excesses in the Corinthian church. They were specifically dividing along the lines of rich and poor. And the wealthy during the communion meal, this agape feast, were were just taking more than their fair share and leaving the poor with the dregs. And Paul said, man, this has just got to be addressed. This can't be. Last week, I handed a bookmark out, and I gave you six things to think about as we come to communion. If you still need that bookmark, I think there's some available at the table on your way in today, or, or stop by the church, and we'd be happy to give you one of those. Well, the third topic that he picks up is this week, and it will now stretch for a number of weeks. And it's this issue of spiritual gifts. That's what he's going to address today. We're going to read the passage in just a moment. My daughter just recently turned 30 years old, and we went to California to celebrate her 30th birthday. And all weekend long, we asked her questions. We had fun questions, like questions like, maybe what was one of your favorite birthdays when you grew up? Or maybe what was one of the favorite... Uh, holiday memories that you have? What are the famous va- favorite vacation that we took together? And it was just fun to hear her talk about some of the things of her three decades of living and what mattered to her. One of the questions we asked was, what was one of your favorite or most memorable gifts? And she had a couple of them. One of them was the, uh, you remember the American Girl doll face? Well, she was in the middle of that. And I can't remember, Josephine, I think is the one she had, but I don't remember the name of it, but boy, she remembers getting that American Girl doll. Another was a karaoke machine, and she had a karaoke machine for a number of years, and so many kids passed through the house and and sang with the karaoke machine, and that was just, uh, you know, hours of fun, days of fun with the karaoke machine. Well, you know, I don't know if you think about it much, but God is the giver of gifts, and we can immediately say, well, one of the gifts is obviously our salvation, and we anchor in on that right away. But one of the things that this passage is going to talk about is God as a gift giver. And specifically, spiritual gifts to His church. To each individual that is a follower of Jesus. Uh, Think about that as we read the passage today. We're going to start in chapter 12 and verse 1. And uh, if your Bibles are open, or maybe your app is open, uh, this is the way Paul writes to the Corinthians. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed so he's saying I want you to be informed about spiritual gifts skip to verse 4 with me now these are there are varieties of gifts but the same spirit and there are varieties of service but the same Lord there are varieties of activities but is the same God who empowers them all in everyone just real note there it's one of the times in the New Testament in which all of the Trinity is mentioned related to spiritual gifts So he's saying again that the whole Trinity seems to be involved here in the infusing of gifts uh, and opportunities to use those gifts for the church. I'm picking up in verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Paul is addressing the Corinthians, and what we're going to find out over the coming weeks is that the Corinthians were given over to anything shiny, anything showy, anything loud. That was what they kind of resonated with. And Paul is going to pull back and say, hey, I want you just to go and get the bedrock of what spiritual gifts are, why God has given these spiritual gifts, and I want you to come back to a baseline of your understanding of that. That's why Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed about spiritual gifts. Apparently, there was something that they were uninformed about, and so Paul's saying, hey, I want to inform you. I want to bring you up to speed on what God is doing with this. And this is important for all churches of all time to understand how God has gifted the church with spiritual gifts in every member of the church and and what we're to do with that. Well, today I want to cover three principles that deal with spiritual gifts. I'm sure many of you will find these to be very simple. Uh, I, I do, I mean, but it's worth reminding myself again, this is what God is doing by giving gifts to the church. And so we're just going to rehearse three principles that come from this passage that deal with spiritual gifts. All right, here's where we start. Each Christian has a gift from God. Each Christian, each Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, then you have a gift or perhaps gifts, plural, that God has given to you. Where am I pulling that from? Verse 7 and verse 11. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And number uh, verse 11. All these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And so the spiritual gift is, again, a manifestation of the Spirit of God it's, uh, what do we mean by that? Well, we mean it's an ability or an empowerment or an office. It could be any of those that are given to you in order that you would serve others. It's specifically chosen by the Holy Spirit, and it's going to fit, likely, your personality. It's going to fit kind of who you are, but it's not synonymous with your personality, or it's not synonymous with your natural gifts. For instance, uh, perhaps you are good at math. And that could be something that you're like, hey, I know, I know math. I know kind of how to help people with math. Well, that's great. I mean, that's certainly a natural gift that God's given you, and it's certainly going to benefit some people around you, but it's not necessarily the same as your spiritual gift. Likely, you will discover your spiritual gift after, obviously, you've come to know Christ and after God's begun to work in your life and you'll begin to discern how, what it is that God has deposited on the inside of you that is, again, going to be used for His glory. Let me give you an example. I have always, you know, since I was little, kind of had a penchant for leadership. and That's kind of a natural gift, a natural ability. But it was only after I came to know Christ in which I realized more of the full orb of that and maybe have the gift of leadership that was given by the Holy Spirit. It's by after that time that I realized maybe my calling uh, for ministry in the church, my calling to be a pastor or a shepherd. And so all of those are, again, after I came to know Christ, that those were manifested. It matches good with my natural, some of my natural penchants or abilities, but it's not synonymous with those. And so, again, you have been given gifts from God. You've been given those probably that complement who you are, your personality, your your general direction of life. They're probably not working in opposition, but those spiritual gifts are something that are a gift from God to you. So just what are those gifts? If we're talking about, you know, God giving those gifts, what are some of those gifts? Starting in verse 8, Paul lists the spiritual gifts that he at least talks about with the Corinthians And I'm here to tell you there are actually four lists of spiritual gifts in the Bible. Here they are, 1 Corinthians 12, the passage we're reading right now, is one of those lists. And by the way, there's more of the gifts that he lists at the end of this chapter. Romans chapter 12 is another list. 1 Peter 4 is another list. And Ephesians chapter 4 is another list. And here's what I want you to hear about those lists. There is much overlap. And so you can read those lists and say, ooh, I see that overlapping here but they're not synonymous, or they're not, they're not exact. And so, you know, what is God doing here? Why, why don't we have identical lists? And that would be a good question to ask. I think that it's for this reason, and this is uh, verse 4, if uh, we'd have that up. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And you notice that I've highlighted that word varieties, there, there, there are many gifts that God gives, but even more the way that we would go about exercising those gifts. None of us are going to exercise the gift that God gives us, even in the same way, just because we are we're so unique. God's fingerprint is upon us for that. But we're going to do that in very, very different ways. And so I think what's more important here than exactly what are the spiritual gifts, what's that list, you know, how can we just decipher this, is understanding the great, the great cornucopia of, of gifts that God has handed out and how bountiful it is and how, how good it is. Now, if I was pressed to make any kind of a distinction about spiritual gifts, these would be my two categories. They're speaking gifts, they're serving gifts. And I think if you look at those spiritual gifts, you'll find out they largely fall into one of those two categories. Speaking gifts, serving gifts. In fact, 1 Peter 4 even kind of says it that way. And there's not one gift that's better. There's not, if, you, if you have a speaking gift, it's not better than a serving gift. If you have a serving gift, it's not better than a speaking gift. The church needs both of those And so, again, the church is not full without the operation of both of those. Here's what I want you to hear as we're starting off. As a grace from God, you've been given a special ability or you've been given perhaps an office in the church. And that is for God's glory. And there's going to be some special purpose of why he's given that to you. And that's the next principle. The next principle is gifts build up others. Gifts build up others. I'm still in verse seven. to each is given the manifestation of the spirit. Here it is. What's the purpose for the common good? For the common good. That is why you have been given a gift, is for the betterment of others, for the overall health of the church, for the common good. You've been given uh, this spiritual gift in order that you might build up others, that you might strengthen the faith of others. There could be somebody that is in trouble that is experiencing some level of pain or their faith is being stretched or challenged in some way. And you may be the one to step in and help to maintain the faith of that individual in the midst of life storms. If there's anybody around you that is being threatened in some way, you might take stock. Is there some ability that I have to help that person right now? James mentioned this, but I even had this as, as my thought this week, is that we saw the body of Christ in action. Without any request, without any phone call, would you come help? People start showing up. And in the midst of, again, a very trying day for our brother, people start pitching in and going, you know what? We're going to help you clean up this mess. We're going to get that loaded on a flatbed truck. We're going to get that delivered to the dump. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, I just watched all of that happen, and it was just a beautiful, beautiful ballet that played out in front of my eyes. And that's the way that God has gifted the church. He's gifted the church in order that you might use your gift for someone else. Our gifts are not to hoard. Our gifts are not for us. Much like other gifts that we have, we're the only ones to use it. That's not spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are meant to be used in the lives of other people. Now, we can become very fixated on exactly what are the spiritual gifts, which one do I have, and again, there's something more important than that. There's something more important than being able to label your gift and it's having a desire or a, a, an attitude of help. So much more important than saying, well, what is my spiritual gift? Is it prophecy or teaching or wisdom or healing or mercy or administration? You know, I've got to label my right one. You know, Don't go running around to do that because, again, if you think of spiritual gifts as the ability to strengthen somebody else, you see somebody in need, you come to help. You may have just discovered One of the ways that God has gifted you in the Spirit is that it's just kind of something that's naturally now pouring out where you say, hey, I think I can do that. I'm willing to go and help. Maybe you know somebody who needs encouragement. Is that something you could do? Could you encourage them? Maybe you uh, see part of the church building here that needs some attention, something that needs to be fixed or something that needs to be cleaned. Is that something that you could do? Maybe you know some babies that need to be held in the nursery. Or maybe you know uh, some preparation that's needed for an event. Is that something you can do? Your gift is meant to help others. That is why we all have spiritual gifts. And our spiritual gifts might sometimes be compared to other things in life. The comparison I read this week that I really liked was the comparison of spiritual gifts to Uh, aircraft carriers versus tugboats. Aircraft carriers versus tugboats. I have a photograph here I want to show you of an aircraft carrier and some tugboats that are operating. And I'm using a story that comes from Andy Crouch, an author and pastor. I I like Andy's writing a lot. And he said, Aircraft carriers and cruise ships sail on blue oceans with immense reserves of power and degrees of freedom. One sort of ocean-going vessel is devoted to the aggression of war. That's the aircraft carrier there and the other to comfort and leisure. Both, however, are massive, independent, floating islands of power. They navigate strategically based on large-scale charts covering vast distances, and they're either driven by military needs, the aircraft carrier, or economic needs, which is, again, the uh, cruise ship. Tugboats, on the other hand, you can see the little tugboats operating in unison there, are limited to a specific harbor. A tugboat captain may be one of the highest paid individuals in the shipping industry, but guess what? Only in one place. To be a tugboat is to be committed to a specific place and to know it intimately. Tugboats have to be nimble, maneuverable, and responsive to the slightest variation of the seafloor or of local currents. Tugboats are not especially impressive mechanically or visually, but they're indispensable. Tugboats, you might say, are servants. They don't navigate for themselves. They navigate to bring ships safely to shore. You hear that? Tugboats are meant to help other ships arrive at safety. And that's so much like our spiritual gifts. Our spiritual gifts are meant to build up, are meant to aid, are meant to help others and when they are practically being used, they're not drawing attention to themselves. They're for the aid and the help of those around us. Principle number three, gifts are diverse amidst unity. And now I'm in verse 12. For just as, one, uh, just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of the one spirit. And so he begins to compare the spiritual gifts we have to members of the body. And so he says there are some that are, or of the human body I mean. Uh, There are some that are ears, there are some that are mouths, there are some that are fingers, there are some that are feet and you can imagine if you have a part of your body that's not functioning properly let's say for, for instance your kidneys are not functioning then you're not managing to uh, filter your your blood and you're not managing to remove waste from your body and you just become a kind of a toxic mess imagine if you don't have a stomach your mouth is appreciating all that food but it's just falling into a hole and there's no nourishment that's coming to your body and so every piece of the body is enjoying some function that it it gives to the body, but there is still one body. There's still a unity that's happening within all of that. And so gifts and body parts are varied. They're multifaceted. Some are visible, some are invisible, but they're all extremely important. Read this week about the smallest bones in the human body. Did you know that they're on the inner ear? And on the inner ear of the body are three bones that work in concert, They're known scientifically as the Malus, the incus, and the Stapes, but they're also known by their common names. You might remember this from biology. It's the hammer, the anvil, and the stirrup. Those are the three bones that are in the inner ear that work in concert. The hammer is arranged so that it has one end that's attached to the eardrum, and uh, again, they all are working in this lever uh, mechanism that's happening on the inner ear. These bones work in obscurity, Completely invisible to the outside world, and they're absolutely essential for your ability to hear. Without them, only one-tenth of one percent of the sound energy that enters the eardrum would be transferred into the inner ear. But because God has arranged these tiny parts in such a way that maximizes their leverage, they produce a sonic effect far beyond their tiny size. Just as the human body has no insignificant parts, the body of Christ has no smaller, unimportant members we have a sphere of influence, however large or however small, however visible or however invisible, that is playing a vital role in the economy of God. As well hidden as that inner ear bone sequence might be, it's an internal organ that is very needed, much like we might consider the foot inside the shoe or, uh, <laughs> for instance, any, any part that is working kind of in, a, in an obscurity in the body, but it's still so vitally needed. I mean, you never had more pain than when your little toe, it gets stubbed, and it's like, wow, I didn't know I needed that little toe, but man, that can really uh, uh, bring a lot of pain to my life if that's not working in concert with everything else. So we are uh, remembering that we are this unity. We are this group that has all these different abilities, all these different functions that we're able to do, but we're operating within this unity. We're operating within the direction of the Holy Spirit. We're like some kind of an orchestra, perhaps. And, you know, if your orchestra only had cymbals, the clash of those you know, would just be you know, just a gong that would be going off. Like, no. And if, if it was simple as maybe the little flute, it's like, I think we need a little more power here. And so, again, but when you add all of those instruments all together, it makes this beautiful uh, orchestra or this beautiful, beautiful symphony. And that's exactly what the Spirit does. Sometimes you're able to see that, and other times you're not able to see that. But it's, it's, it's beautiful the way that the Holy Spirit is bringing about this tremendous diversity, but within this very orderly unity, that is a very beautiful thing to watch. Well, let's see if we can uh, bring this to uh, some application for our lives. Here's what I want you to hear. You all have a spiritual gift that's been assigned by the Holy Spirit, You've all been given that gift to build up others, and you've all been given that gift within a variety, a tremendous variety, but maintained within the unity of the body of Christ. I ran across a picture this week that I really liked, and uh, it's a picture of some people working in concert. This is a picture of uh, the Guinness World Record for the number of people on a motorcycle, you, you, you can't even really see the motorcycle there until I, I said something. You see the front wheel of the motorcycle there. And this is the Indian army in India that managed to put 58 men on one motorcycle. It was a 500cc Royal Enfield motorbike. And they managed to ride that for 1,200 meters. They only crashed twice as they were warming up and trying before they finally got it to go. You can see the guy behind right there, oh this driving it by the way, his head is kind of above everybody else, and he 's got a GoPro on his head i 'd love to see the GoPro of that wouldn 't that be cool? These guys are managed to work in concert in such a way that all of their weight was distributed properly. They kind of built a special little platform there that they got to stand on, but all of them were in, in around this motorbike in just such a way that it could navigate. Uh, This 1,200-meter course and and set the world record. The Holy Spirit is doing this tremendous coordination drill with all of us. He's always working. He's always making sure that, that you have a gift and role to play, that your role is helping this person over here, and this person over here is helping that person over there. And He's doing this work. And again, many times, we're not even aware of the way that the Spirit is working. We, we may not even find out until we get to heaven that, the, man, the tremendous impact that, that my role made to the, the body of Christ. There's no job too big, no job too small. It's as small as perhaps greeting somebody and saying hello. And, you know, again, there are organized ways to do that in the church. Maybe you're holding a baby. Maybe you're a tech person that's helping us make sure that this service can be seen by individuals at home. And it could be, again, that the Spirit is tapping on you to say uh, there's an individual in your life. Maybe it's some family member. Maybe it's a co-worker. Maybe it's somebody that's a friend. They just need help. Are you able to give that? Use your spiritual gift towards that end. Your calling is to use your spiritual gift to build up others, and the health of the church depends on it. Let's pray. Father, we... Thank you for your gift, gifts, plural, uh, that are given through your Holy Spirit to the church. And it is so representative, Lord, of you. All of your abilities are used for the benefit of those who follow you. Thank you for that. And we want ours to be the same. These are not gifts that we hoard. They're not gifts that we uh, use for our glory. They're gifts that we use for yours and for the aid and help of others. Today, Lord, would you just make us aware of who needs help and give us a willingness on the inside to say yes to that? We will thank you for that. Lord, thank you that you've given all the gifts to CCF that she needs to fully function. It's a matter of us just recognizing those and putting those to good use, and your church is built. Thank you for that. Thank you for today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.